0: Today's episode of Speak LA, the podcast is sponsored by Actors Connection.
1: Before we begin, one of the things we most often hear from our listeners is how hard it is to find an agent. If this is something that you are struggling with, go to ispeakla.com and download our free agent guide today. There's absolutely no shame in not having an agent, but we really want to help you get one. So go to ispeakla.com and grab your free agent guide now.
0: Hey Cam. Hey Jen. How are you? I'm good.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited I to to Joe Morton today.
0: I'm so excited. Broadway star, Tony Tony nominated actor. I mean, it's really. Really, such an honor.
1: Yeah, and he's so fluid. You know, he moves through, he he moves from theater to film to TV, and in this way that is just so effortless. And um, I'm excited to hear how he how he does that. I also loved him on Scandal. I just. Oh my
0: God! Right? (laughs) So great on Scandal. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And in addition to being such an amazing actor, he's done so much towards pushing for diversity in Hollywood. I mean, for decades, and and really making a difference. So
1: yeah that's like he will continue to as well which is exciting
0: yeah yeah such an honor honor. anyway how are you how are you while we wait
1: how how am i well well jen jen i am fantastic
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I was
1: thinking about things that i love in la and i was wondering Mm -hmm. i was thinking to myself what does jen love about la oh yeah
0: thank you for asking what do i love about la I love so many things in about LA, but, um, I think I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna be a little trite and, and cliche, or I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dare to have people think it's trite and cliche and perhaps <laughs> it is, and just, and just go ahead and say the weather, you know? I, uh, yeah, I, I always feel sort of embarrassed saying that because it, it does feel like such a simplistic thing to say, but when you live here year after year and you wake up to that shining sun, you know, 300 and what, I don't know, 30 days of the year. And, uh, you don't have to make plans around what the weather might be. You know, you don't have to say like, well, we'll have a birthday party outside on that day if it doesn't rain, yeah. because you're pretty sure it's you know, <laughs> not going to. Um, that's, uh, you know, again, it, it, it seems, uh, it seems pretty trite, but I think it's something not to be taken for granted. So that's something I, I really appreciate about about this great city.
1: It, it is. It is. The yeah. weather is really, it is something
0: else, isn't it? Thanks for not judging me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I never judge you. I love you so much. <laughs> All right. How old were you when you officially decided to become a professional actor?
2: I think I was 20, because uh, I left college early. Um, I got sort of fed up with university and what was going on and went into the city. So I, just, uh, I was a junior in, in, in college when I left, when I had started.
0: And in which city did you get your start?
2: Manhattan, New York City.
0: What was your first job,
1: acting or otherwise?
2: Um, it was a play uh, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music uh, called Christophe. Uh, it was a play by, about uh, Henri Christophe, who was part of the um, revolution in Haiti uh, with uh, Toulon uh, Overture. I played a character I believe named Richard, who was his lieutenant, so that was my very first gig.
0: And uh, did you know anybody in the entertainment business at the beginning of your career?
2: No, I sort of came in to the city not knowing anybody. I, 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 I think, yes, a, a friend of mine from school, he was a year ahead of me, had already graduated, so we shared an apartment on 155th Street, I think.
1: And how much of your career was spent in Los Angeles?
2: Gosh, uh, a great deal of my career is spent in Los Angeles. Um, uh, we did Equal Justice there, um, of course, Scandal, and uh, the, f- the number of films that were done there. So, more than half of my career has probably been spent in in, uh, in LA and I've been doing this over 50 years, so.
0: Wow. And if you had to sum up LA in one word, what would that word be?
2: Traffic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Yes.
2: <laughs> Traffic. I mean, you no. Know, I love. I love working in LA. I. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of living in LA. Um, it's just that there's no. And I mean, here on the East Coast, especially here in New Jersey, uh, you know, I can get in my car, go into the city. I can see a play. I can see a movie. I can go to a, a museum or an art gallery, whatever. LA you know, you've got to give yourself an hour to an hour and a half to get to any place. <laughs> and then if you want to enjoy yourself, that is if you want to have a couple of drinks, then you can't drive, you have to take an Uber. <laughs> uh, so it just gets very complicated in LA. <laughs>
0: Traffic is, is really fast. <laughs> Joe, we are so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm
2: excited to be here. This is, uh, this seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: we've
1: been, Good. we've been looking forward to this.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, oh, and happy birthday to you, Camille. We I, we share a birthday.
1: I know we're, we're Libra, we're the Libra. There you go. We're bringing in go. the Libra Easy. season. Me I too. know. I, I think this is such a special treat, too, that we get to do this the day after our birthday. The yeah. day after, right. <laughs>
2: right. And we're, another one of us seemed to be hungover, so there you go. <laughs>
0: That's a celebration in and of itself. <laughs> there
2: you go. There you go. <laughs>
0: Um, I would love to start at the beginning and just hear, uh, you know, kind of how, you know, at what age did you, were you, were you very, were you a kid when you decided, you know, I think I might want to be an actor when I grow up or did it happen later? And just tell us about kind of the, the beginning stages, if you would.
2: Uh, I was not one of those kids who thought he was going to be an actor when he grew up. Uh, my dad was in the military, so I thought that's where my life was going to go. Um, he died, unfortunately, when I was 10. We came back to the States um lived with my grandmother for two years and my grandmother and i always used to go to the apollo um to see this i remember the the, the greatest times were to go see sammy davis jr or whomever it was and whether i was totally coherent about it or not um whenever we went to the Apollo and there was a performer on stage, I would always fantasize that they would say something like, ladies and gentlemen, in the audience today, there was a very special guest who will do blah, 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 blah. And of course, it never happened. And that it never should have. I wasn't even doing anything. So. Um, but that, that was my fantasy in the back of my head. Uh, and then by the time I got to high school, uh, I began um, playing guitar and writing songs and, and you know, got into a band on the weekends so I'd have weekend money. And then by the time I got to college, um, I actually entered college as a psych major. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the very first day of orientation, they took us around the campus to show us what it'd be like. And then they took us into the theater to show us a skit about what our first year might be like. Um, And when the skit was over, I literally could not get up out of my seat and it had nothing to do with what I saw. Uh, I don't even remember what they did exactly. It just was sitting in that theater and smelling what that smelled like and seeing the work light up on the stage. I suddenly knew this is where I belong. Wow. And So I finally got up, went to the registrar's office and changed all my majors from psychology to drama. Wow. And that was it.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's like love at first sight.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was, uh, I remember thinking to myself, you know, you've been playing music and writing songs for a while. Maybe you could be an actor. And so here I am.
1: I know what you mean by that smell too. That smell is a special smell in the theater. It really is. It's something that, and, and it's, you know, I would, I would say that you have a career that most actors would just when they envision what a career in as an actor would look like, I think they would want your career. Like you
0: move, <laughs> you move so
1: effortlessly from theater to film to TV. I mean, it's it's really it's really amazing. Do you find that you have a favorite medium um, within the tra- trajectory of your career? And what it the would
2: theater, be? the theater will always remain Universal. sort of home, and and and, and where I feel. Uh, the greatest challenges and the greatest amount of love. I mean, uh, we I had great teachers. Um, <clears throat> um, it's funny. I had great teachers, and yet uh, uh, the fact that I wasn't allowed to do very much in college, because back in those days, you know, I was. this is the 60s, you know, there were color codes, and, you know, so you can't play this part because your cousin is white or the girlfriend is white or whatever. So we went through all that stuff, and I finally just blew up and said, you know, screw you. I'm out of here. Um, but... As I said, I had some really wonderful teachers, and they taught us um, methods that would easily move from the stage to the screen. Uh, And uh, fortunately, because I had no experience anyplace else before I got to college, I believed everything they told me, and thank God I did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like when you go into Um, because theater is your love, like your deep, deep love. And I really relate to that because theater is my deep love too. Like I just, Mm. I just, I mean, the smell of the theater, even when I walk into a rehearsal space or even a classroom, it still has that kind of smell. And I don't know what it is, but I kind of wish I could bottle it up sometimes and like (laughs) sprinkle it around. But do you find that there's a way that you've applied how you approach a character when you're working on a piece of theater to a character of TV and film, like in the different kind of worlds that that they're in.
2: I mean, generally speaking, um, the method is exactly the same, whether it's theater or film. The difference obviously is on stage, you need to use your entire body, um, not just because film is mostly about your face, especially television, the landscape for television is your face. Um, And so what you learn to do is exactly the same thing you would do on stage, but just more like we're talking now. This is how you should be talking in a film um, because you don't have to project to the back of the house. Um, So essentially that's what makes it simple for actors who've been trained the way I've been trained. I mean, the perfect example is um, all the actors that I worked with in scandal, all of them were theater actors, Mm. every single one of them. And it made communicating uh, with each other a lot simpler. It made, uh, the way we approach the scripts, um, all, uh, all the same. The idea behind a theater actor is that you're supporting the script. You're not supporting being a star or being some mm-hmm. celebrity or an, era- you know. So you're not fighting over who's going to get into the makeup room first and all that <laughs> crap. So, so that's so so that that's my um, uh, most comfortable atmosphere. Scandal was just tremendous. It's just because we were really, really all on the same page. It was an amazing.
0: I love that distinction of, uh, you know, people that are really in it to to be an actor versus people who, um, you know, are kind of in it for more of maybe the stardom or the celebrity factor of it. And I think that's something that's probably pretty important to figure out Mm. when you're just starting out, you know, what you're what you're going for.
2: And you know what? And that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, uh, that was one of the team things that our teachers taught us, which was know why you're doing this mm-hmm. particular job. If you're doing it for money, just say, I'm doing it mm-hmm. for money. Cause for a while, that's how I was working. I would do a film or a television show so that I could afford to do theater or that I could afford to do a- an independent film. Um, but that is correct that you have to know why it is you're doing what you're doing. Um, from why do I want to tell the story to why do I want to work with this actor or this director?
0: Right. Right. I'd love to go back if we could to, um, at the, at the top when we were asking you the the first few questions and you said that did, I think you said you left college early to, to go to New York. So was that because you already had a job or did you just, did you just kind of leap of faith go to New York?
2: Well, a bit of a leap of faith, a little bit. Um, very, very, this is a very crazy story. (laughs) So, um, I'm a junior in college. Um, uh, I have gone to my favorite teacher and told her I would like to go to uh, the Royal Academy in London to study. She said, well, you need uh, a major um, <clears throat> production under your belt before they'll even consider you. So she said, go talk to the dean. The dean was a horrible person. <laughs> um, and he was, um, you know, the kind of, he said, no, he was he was not gonna help me out and blah, blah, blah. And he was the same guy who constantly said, well, you can't have this part because, you know, hey, can't have that part. Because, and finally, um, My favorite teacher, a gentleman who is no longer with us, was going to do Brendan Bean's *The Hostage*. Now, *The Hostage* is a play between Irish and English. Most of the cast is Irish, and the Englishman is a hostage, being captured by the IRA. He's a loner. Um, He, yes, he falls in love with the Irish girl, but then that's the whole point: is that they're on opposite sides of the world. Um, I auditioned for it. Leon, who was, that was his name, said, you know, you could do this part with your hands tied behind you. I said, great. He said, but I'm not going to give it to you. I said, why? He said, well, no pun intended, but it would color the play. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I said, I'm done. I'm out of here. Uh, I've I've had enough of this. I can't, if I'm, if I have to go through this amount of abuse, I'd rather try and get paid for it. Yeah. So to his chagrin, he got very upset and he, um, He said, well, if you're determined to do that, so he gave me the name of an agent. He said, so when you leave the school and you go into the city, here's the name of an agent, tell him that uh, Joe Leon uh, told you you to call him. I said, fine. So I got into the city, I'm all moved in with my friend and I call the agent and I say, hi, my name is Joe Morton. Joe Leon told me to call. And the man on the other end of the telephone says, fine, come in on Wednesday. (laughs) I said, great. Terrific. So I go to the agency so Wednesday. It's the right time. And I walk up to the receptionist and I tell her who I'm there to see. And she says, are you sure you're in the right place? I look at my appointment book. I said, yeah, this place, three o'clock. She said, well, when did you speak to him? And I said, just on Monday. She said, well, that's not possible. He hasn't worked here for six months. I said, well, I spoke to somebody and they made an appointment. So she said, let me go find out. So she goes in the back, she comes back out, she takes me and she inside and she introduces me to a man by the name of Ed Blum, who was not the man I called. That's certainly not the name of the man that I called. What had happened was I spoke to Ed Blum thinking he was somebody else. We never exchanged names and it just turned out that he also was a friend of Joe
0: Leon's. Oh which is my why he God. Came wow. <laughs> oh my
2: God. Swear to God, that's what happened. Um, I walked into his office, uh, he, uh, we talked for a little while, he said, what did you want to do? I said, I thought I wanted to go to regional theater. He said, you've just came out of college, why would you want to do that? He said, I have an audition for you right here. He said, do you sing? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, fine. So he picked up the phone, he made an appointment, told them I could sing like a bird or whatever he told them. I went in and auditioned and got the job. Oh that God. was my very first job, uh, on, and it was called um, A Month of Sundays. It was a saccharine musical, Based on the Noah story, I played a character named uh, something something Dalton Dillinger James, supposed to be a tough guy. And the idea was there was a flood, everybody's floating up to this boat, and you know the play goes on. So the very first time I'm on a stage in a musical. It's, a, it's, it's previews and it's a, you know, a, a temporary backing on the set and so forth and I'm supposed to float out on a telephone booth. You remember when we actually had telephone booths, <laughs> not, not just little shells? So I float out on a telephone booth and as I float out, it hits this temporary wood backing and by the time I actually hit the stage in my first line, Uh, The wall falls down. The snow that was up in the rafters comes down. Everything just falls apart because I hit this thing. And, of course, I'm a young, stupid actor, so I keep doing it (laughs) until finally one of the producers in the audience stands up and stops the production and, and, um, you know, apologizes and says something happened. We'll put it back together and we'll start again. So when they did that and they came back out, I got an ovation. So I can actually say that on on my very first play, I got a standing ovation for doing absolutely nothing.
1: Oh my god, that is an incredible story.
2: And the, and the play was so bad that the <laughs> reviews for that play were it they came I think uh, we opened in November and they said, "Well, it's early in the season, but the first turkey has hit off
1: book." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And how old were you at this point?
2: I must have been like 20, maybe. Maybe. Oh my
1: God. That's incredible. I you know, it's what's amazing to me is as you tell this story, there seems to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be, so much confidence that you had in the steps that you took and and just even deciding, like, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm leaving. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move to New York and I'm gonna make this phone call. And which I would deem as a scary phone call. I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of like a scary phone call. Like I have like the easy phone calls and the scary ones. Um, and I'm just curious about that because I think a lot of actors deal with a lot of fear and doubt, especially yes. at the beginning of when they're begin of when they're starting, and especially like in a position where you're at, where you have these people that are of power, you know, these professors that are, right. are telling you something, like, this is the way it is. And you're saying, well, wait a second. This is not, this is not, I'm not playing this game. Like mm-hmm. I'm leaving, I'm gonna go. Well, the interesting,
2: the interesting thing is that that's exactly what Joe Leon's job was, was to teach us what it was gonna be like out in the real world. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> he was a, a working actor, he wasn't a professor. Um, but one of the things that they did, all of the teachers at Hofstra gave us was, this sense of who you are as an actor. Mm-hmm. They gave us five questions that I use every time I work. Uh, I don't care what it is, whether it's a play or a TV or a film. Um, and those questions are really very basic and very human. Who am I? Where am I going? Who do I expect to meet? And the last two are the most important, what do I want? And to what extent am I willing to go to get what I want? And we were told to apply that not only to a script, but to our lives. And so what I wanted was a job. What I wanted was to get an agent what I wanted. So you just proceed that way. And what they also reminded us, and Joe in particular taught us, you have to remember that this agent works for you, not the other way around. You are hiring an agent. They are not hiring you. Um, And that's really, when when I've ever coached or taught kids, that's one of the big things I tell them, because you're right. What happens is uh, my son was an actor for a little while. And. One of the things that happens, you get intimidated by agents. And I kept saying to him, they work for you. It's what your job is to tell them what you want Mm -hmm. in your career and have them help you get there, not the other way around.
1: Well, I like what you're saying, too, because I think that was a very hard concept for me. And I actually, I teach Mm -hmm. acting as well. And so this is something I'm always talking to my students about is, you know, Mm. the empowerment of who they are within this industry, which is a really, really challenging industry to be in, Mm. where you experience a lot of no's, where it feels very personal. And um, what I like what you said is that you can, if you don't have that sort of chutzpah immediately, to act as if and almost You know, because I think actors are very brave when they're approaching their character work. You know, there many. You know, you have to be brave. So to almost take that and and say the What do I want? Where am I going? How do I apply this? And I'm gonna I'm gonna just take those baby steps. And that sort of builds on this idea of confidence Mm -hmm. for what when the actor is dealing with fear and doubt.
2: I got. I heard a story once. It was an English actor who went to the public theater. to audition uh, or an interview for uh, a part. And the director at some point said, um, you know, uh, would you like to read something for me? And the actor said, well, no. And the director said, why? He said, well, because we don't know each other well enough. <laughs> wow. And I always thought that's, that's that's dead on. That's exactly right. Wow. Uh, I, I usually tell the students that I have that the idea of going to an audition is to is to forge a conversation between you and the director, not to do a performance Um, I mean, you're there to show that director what you can do to make whatever adjustments that director gives you, but it's to forge a conversation, not to be a trained monkey and just simply do the part.
0: Yeah. I
2: love that. Because then what happens is in the audition, it's it's a creative moment. You know, if, if I come in and I say, here's what I've brought, here's how I've worked on this, and this is what I've done, and the director says well, what if we do blah, 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 and so-and-so? Then we can actually talk about it. I might think it's a terrible idea. I might say I'll try it, but here's why it, I, I, it, that irks me. Or here's why I think it's a great idea. Oh, that's terrific. I never thought of that. Let's try it. But then we're working together. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not being, as I said, it's a, you're not a trained monkey just to sort of people. Well, then do this.
1: Right. And it becomes a creative space. It becomes Absolutely. And a creative space is a safe space for us because that's what we
2: do. Right. And for the director as well. It makes the director feel a little bit more ease. You know, he or she is going to make a judgment on whether they're going to use you or not. So you might as well give them as much of yourself as you can in that moment.
0: Joe, I'd love to ask you, you you've worked with so many amazing actors over your career. And um, I, I'd love to ask, you know, kind of, well, two questions. One, just, who are some of your favorite people you've worked with, but also, um, just for, you know, younger, newer actors that might be listening, what are your favorite qualities in actors? Like when you work with somebody that that you really enjoy working with, what are you hoping they'll bring?
2: Uh, intelligence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: Nothing worse than working with a dumb actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I say that, I mean, I say that all the time. I, you know, I tell students, you know, um, even though you're studying acting, make sure you're a well-rounded individual. Study other things, you know, go to the museums, go to the, you know, find out about your history and all that kind of stuff. Because what happens, all that informs the work that you do. I mentioned Scandal before and I think over this broad career, um, I think that was one of those moments where I just was in heaven. Um, I actually, even the way it worked out, I was meant to do um, uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet on Broadway. Um, And I'd only gone out to L.A. to to do Scandal, which is another one of those crazy things. Um, Only to do Scandal for the six episodes that she hired me for. And even that came about because I went out to L.A. It was, you know, pilot season, you know, (laughs) pilot season. For those actors who don't know, I I, I once saw um, a poster for pilot season and it was a pile of bones. (laughs) Yeah. So I went out for pilot season, um, and and most of my career, I actually very deliberately um, decided to play mostly good guys because you have to remember when I came up, it was the 60s, and a lot of the characters that were being offered to black men in particular were all boogaboos of some sort. And so I I was that guy who said, no, I'm not going to do that, and I don't care how much money you offer me. Um, So uh, when I got to L.A. for pilot season, I actually went out thinking I'm looking for a very smart bad guy. The phone I hadn't seen Scandal. Um, uh, I saw then I started watching it on on the computer and I thought, oh my God, this is wonderful. I, I wonder if there's a way I can kind of find to do some sort of, you know, six episode arc or whatever it is. And before I even could pick up the phone to call my agents to get that started, the phone rang. It was my agent saying that ABC and Scandal called to talk to me about doing the show. I thought, oh my God. And I just I literally just said that to myself. Um, wow. Long story short, basically, um, Shonda talked me out of going back to do, doing Romeo and Juliet. But what she did instead is <clears throat> she then began writing, me, writing for me all of wow. these monologues. The beginning of season three, when I came back and my very first scene was, you know, a three-page monologue. I thought, oh, this is great. Okay. <laughs> um, so I got the opportunity in that, in that show to feel like I was on stage, even though I was in front of the camera. Mm-hmm and working with actors who felt the same way that that there was no limitation in terms of size i mean obviously proportional but but that we were free as actors to sort of invest ourselves in all this work and to be given uh, when we finished uh, we went on the ellen show and ellen said to me she said did you ever think cuz he was he was such a bad guy did you ever think that they're going to kill you off and i said no <laughs> she said why i said because i said because of the way the way shonda was writing for me you don't give an, actors those kind of monologues and, and then decide yeah. to, to kill them off. Yeah. Um, so it, it, uh, that period, that five and a half years was probably one of the happiest five and a half years I had working as an actor with other wow. actors. It was just great. It was terrific.
0: That's incredible.
2: And when and we stay and still all in contact, yeah. I mean, you know, we, have we've got a group thing that we do on the phone and, so everybody's still in touch with everybody else and still, you know, happy birthday and still, oh, you got that job. Congratulations. And you know, oh, you got a baby. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So, you know, um, Katie called me uh, for a job that I did with her. I mean, so it's still this, it's a family, which was great. which was just great.
0: Um, I'm so moved by something you said in that story. I mean, it's a great, every, everything you said I loved, but um, just, I am so amazed and impressed and, and again, moved by how ahead of your time you were uh, to say, I'm, I'm not going to play that kind of role and I don't care how much, I mean, I feel like um, we're hearing that more now from actors and it's so wonderful, but, but the fact that you were saying it 30, 40 years ago, um, and as Camille pointed out earlier that you had the confidence or the, um, I don't know, uh, just, just that you, that you, yeah, the the confidence to to, to do that, um, I think, is so inspiring. What? Was that was that scary? Was did you think you know you were sacrificing potentially getting work or what? What was that like?
2: Well, I was doing well in the theater, mm-hmm. um, so so I thought that's all right. Um, you know, if there's something out there that you don't want, that you've never lost it. If you mm-hmm. see what I mean. Um, and for me, my, when, uh, my father's job in the armed forces was to integrate the armed forces overseas. That meant when we showed up at army posts, we were only one of two fa- black families on the post. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my youth uh, up until I was 10 years old was standing up for myself, mm-hmm. was stand- was be- being in a place where there are a lot of white folks out there who did not want us to be where we were. And my father taught me how to stand up and say, basically, pardon my French, but fuck mm-hmm. you, I'm, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I grew up. Um, so by the time I got to college and I was considering having a career, I'd been in a couple of rock bands by then. Um, I'd done So I had put myself out there in a way that um, I knew what to expect. I mean, I still went to auditions and I remember I went to some audition and I think I was in my thirties um, and the character was in his sixties. And I asked the directors and producers uh, what that character and I had in common. And the director said, well, you're both black. And I said, well, screw you. And mm-hmm. I, left. Um, but a lot of my career was doing just that, not taking any kind of you know, um, guff from anyone and not allowing it to be done to anybody else. Uh, I went to an audition and, A friend of mine went in and was in front of a very famous director, and the actor who went in was a gorgeous actor with beautiful, deep voice and very articulate, and this director said, well, can't you just be a little bit more black? Can't you talk like a black person? And so when he told me what the director, I went in and said, how dare you? How many black people do you know, and what does a black person sound like to you? And no, I'm not interested in this job, but here's what you need to understand. You cannot put us up as a monolith. We don't all talk the same, we don't all have the same background. So you have to decide, it's not our problem by the yeah. way. You have to decide what kind of black person you're looking for and left. And I spent most of my career doing exactly that.
1: Do you feel like there has been change in the industry over this span in that regard or do you do you see change? Do you I mean what what is your thought on on that?
2: Um Years ago, you never could have gotten something like Black Panther shot. That never would have happened. Right, um, right. The, the, the ongoing myth, of course, was that there was no foreign market for black film, which right. is still part of the, uh, the thing today. Um, um, but that is a change. The fact that there are um, more real roles for black people as real people, both on television and in film and in the theater, is a huge change from when I started. Um, uh, it was always, to some extent, depending on what the project was and where it was, it was always a fight of some sort. You'd always have to go in and battle for yourself. I mean, I did an audition for a director that I loved, and I ended up getting the job, but I had to convince him that it was okay for a black man to play this part uh, of a lawyer. Um, it was just, it was incredible, but all a lot of that has changed, and a lot of people like... Myself and Denzel and Morgan and a whole bunch of other people sort of m- moved enough to to change all that right. um, and to make to 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 open doors for other people. Um, so yes, things have changed, but in some ways they've stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's happening now, I mean right now, um, a lot of the projects that I've been doing on the on Zoom or whatever have been politically based or racially based in some way. Um, in a very different way than had uh, had been done in the past, I think because of George Floyd, because of um, uh, Breonna Taylor, because of the events that now people cannot escape because they're stuck in their homes. Okay. Um, so I think the 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 view um, of black stories uh, is changing slowly. We're still the industry, especially when, I think when it comes to film and television, still does not know how to market anything other than um projects that have to do with race if you know if you do black klansman and i'm a, I'm not denigrating black klansman i thought it was a wonderful film but it is about the race the racial divide and and hollywood knows how to market that if it's simply a story about black people and their lives they have no idea how to do it and they find it very difficult
0: mm. you know we are sadly um just about out of time but i i just want to I just want to correct something that I said a minute ago, because I was, I was searching for the right word as you were talking before. Um, and I said that it showed a lot of confidence and I'm realizing it's more that it's, it's, it shows, I think a great moral compass or, uh, just a standing up for what's right. I think, which is what we should all be doing, you know? Uh, Absolutely. And I just, um, it's just really inspiring to, to hear you say that. So thank you for, thank you for sharing all that. Um I'm sad to have to end the podcast because I feel like I could you know sit here and listen to you for hours um and I know Camille feels the same we we always end with um by asking our guests uh if they can share something that we call an LAism which is something that you have found to be unique about the city of Los Angeles
2: Um uh I, I, when I read that Uh, One of the things that I think I read in that little thing was that somebody said, whenever it rains, everybody runs inside. Uh, One of the last times I was in L.A., it hadn't rained in L.A. for a very long time. I mean, a very long time. We were sitting in a restaurant, it started to rain, and everybody ran outside. (laughs) (laughs) It was like some phenomena was happening (laughs) in the world of Los Angeles, and it was rain. (laughs) So there's that. And then the only other time, the only other thing I can think of is this is, uh, I was very young, and I was out in L.A., and it snowed in Malibu, wow. but I mean, I no, I mean like a dusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't snow; it was a dusting. And I turned on the TV and I watched the the news, and it just made me chuckle. LA drivers were like, "Oh my." <laughs> God, I thought, what the hell is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I, I I have to say, I do feel that way with rain. Where when it rains in LA, I think, wait, I want to read a book, but I want hot chocolate. Yeah, oh, yeah I want to want. What are the things I can right. do in the short amount of time? We're chilly. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> because you just don't get to have it that much.
0: Yeah, those are perfect. Those are perfect. Yeah, we get we get very thrown off by any weather in Los Angeles for sure. <laughs>
2: Well, because you don't have weather in right, Los Angeles, right? So, you know, it's it's a, it's a constant spring, yes. you know, or 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 early fall, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it used to chuckle. Uh, I make me chuckle. Uh, you know, I'd be on the set or getting ready to walk the set, and you'd see the crew, you know, wearing those quilt vests yeah. and and uh, UGGs boots, and I'm thinking it's <laughs> sixty five degrees. What's wrong?
0: With it's so true. I know we we try to dress like for winter as if we're sort of pretending that it's happening.
2: Well, yeah, I guess if you pretend there's weather, it feels like there is. (laughs) But but I have to say, though, in LA, at some point of the day, you're going to be dressed incorrectly.
0: Yeah, it's so true. At some point
2: in the day. Yeah.
0: It's so true. (laughs) The the desert drop at night. I've been caught many times. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you wake up in the morning, it's cold, it's hot in the afternoon, and then it gets cold later at night. Right, right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's so crazy. Joe, thank you so much for, for being with us today. This is, This thank has really you. been you. wonderful.
1: Yeah, yes. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We want to be able to bring you more episodes like this one, but we can only do that with your support. So please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to Speak LA, the podcast.
1: For more information on Speak LA, go to iSpeakLA.com. That's iSpeakLA.com. This episode of Speak LA the podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers free resources including valuable online programs. For more information, go to actorsconnection.com and sign up for their eblast today.
0: Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of HomeVoiceOverStudio.com. My name is Jen Jostin.
1: And I'm Camille Thornton-Alson. And we are the founders of Speak LA. You can find us at ispeakla.com.
0: See you next time.